Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hi, I'm Rob Schneider. And I'm Kevin David Thomas. And this is Behind the Curtain, Broadway's Living Legends. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Curtain. And make sure to join our Facebook page at Behind the Curtain, Broadway's Living Legends. Our guest this week is not only the Tony Award-winning director of Chicago, he has also directed High Fidelity, White Christmas, and Bright Star, and was one of the founding fathers of the celebrated New York City Center Encore series. But before his incredible directing career, he was one of New York's hardest-working actors appearing in the original Grease, I Love My Wife, and most memorably as Nicely Nicely Johnson in the 1992 revival of Guys and Dolls. Here to tell us what it was like to work with such legends as Candor and Ebb, Gerald Gutierrez, and Andrea Martin, and how he created his breathtaking turn as Malcolm McBeagle in Love Cycle, a soap operetta, here is Walter Bobby. Hi, Walter. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for being with us today. So I'd like to start there. So what exactly was Love Cycle? Oh, my God. You've had this amazing body of work, but I'd like to start there. Love Cycle, you know, it was supposed to be like a monthly um, television musical for PBS. And uh, we did the pilot. And and what they did is it was like to be... We put together an ensemble cast. Mm -hmm. And the ensemble... Like Saturday Night Live, except we were going to do a new original musical every month. Oh, my gosh. And the cast was Patti Lapone, Lonnie Price. Priscilla Lopez, I think, Priscilla Lopez, me. (laughs) The first one was just sort of awful. (laughs) But I... uh, Never went anywhere. I played inexplicably a Scottish laundromat attendant. So to this day, uh, whenever I go backstage to see Patti Lapone, uh, she they'll say who's who may I say is coming, uh, uh, calling, and I'll say just tell her it's Hutman McBooger. <laughs> <laughs> so born in Scranton, correct? Yes. Um, were you? How'd you get exposed to theater? Parents, friends, school? No, not at all. I was in a very no, not at all. Mm. I just uh, was drawn to it. I don't know. I uh, I was in the kindergarten play. I was, uh, you know, I remember being in the second grade play and I had the biggest part, but I was off stage on a microphone and I hated it. And I thought, this is no good. <laughs> I want to be in the footlights. I want to be front. <laughs> so, uh, so I always just did the school plays and the, and the community theater. I went to, uh, I was a business major in college right. and then a literature and I then got my degree in, in literature and philosophy. What, what, what college did you attend? At the University of Scranton. At the University of Scranton. And I thought, who am I kidding? So I then went to graduate school at Catholic University in Washington see, yeah. and and majored in uh, theater. Were your parents okay with the, the switch from? And, and not, it was threatening to them. Like, you know, my uh, I, my grandparents were all, you know, Polish immigrant coal miners, sure. you know, and they had very, very large families. And uh, um, it was a very provincial upbringing I had. So the idea of working in the theater was completely foreign to them. Is that? Yeah. Uh, I mean, actually, I brought my parents their first tickets to a Broadway show that they'd ever seen. But I did the school shows and I went to graduate school when I wanted to be in. But they were very much against it. They wouldn't really allow me uh, to do summer stock when I was in college. Oh, really? I finally did when I was in graduate school. And then I said, I'm just doing this. And I came to New York. Right after grad school? Yes. I was offered some regional theater uh, jobs at Arena and someplace Mm -hmm. else. 
but I, I really wanted to come to New York, uh, and so I did. Mm-hmm. And um, and my family, you know, uh, by then were signed on to the yeah. idea that this is what I was going to do. I, I would come in on the weekends. We lived in New Jersey by then, mm-hmm. and I would come to New York and just see five shows a weekend. I'd go to Friday and two on Saturday, and off-Broadway was... Uh, there were no Sunday Broadway shows at the time, so oh. I'd go to see two off-Broadway shows on Sunday. Do you remember any any of the uh, shows that you saw that... Well, most memorably, I remember my sister and I coming in and seeing Dames at Sea. Oh, my goodness. And I said to my... And we laughed. We thought it was hilarious. And I said to my sister naively, uh, I said, when I go to New York, that's the first show I want to do. <laughs> And, so, uh, and how'd that work out for you? It did. It's interestingly, <laughs> you know, I think if you don't know any better, you do things. Yes. And I remember I came to New York and I went to the stage door at at the Theatre de Lise. It's now the Lucille Lortel where oh. Dames and Seat was playing. And I knocked on the stage uh-uh. door and I asked to see the stage manager. And he came out and I said, hey, this is my picture and resume. And you should call me in and audition me for this show. I said, I could really w- would be able to do this. And I said, now don't throw my picture in the garbage. I'm telling you, you should bring me in. And lo and behold, they actually did. And I got the job as the last understudy for all the men in Dames at Sea downtown. Wow, you were a bold man. I didn't know I was being bold. I just, I, you know, I learned everything I know about Chosenesses from oh the movies. Goodness. Isn't that the way Donald O'Connor did it? That's I mean, right. isn't that the way Gene Kelly right. did it? You know, you just got off the bus. Yeah, it's great. to Allentown. Yeah, you got it. And my fan, I, and because I, what happened was I knew I was going on because I was understudying one of the people I was understudying was wonderful Kurt Peterson Mm. and he knew he had to do a benefit or be somewhere with family and I knew that in two weeks I was going to go on on a Sunday Mm. and so I called my family and I said would you like to come I'm going to go on on this show and they said yes I said well how many tickets do you want they said well let me get back to you so my family who was all very sort of dubious about my being in the theater, called back several days later, and I said, how many tickets do you want? They said, 34. <gasps> oh, my <laughs> I think they invited wow. the entire neighborhood. Oh so uh, they went from being, you. this is ridiculous, uh, you can't be in show business, you'll end up a drug addict. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> at two, uh, we need 34 seats for That's Sunday. That's great. That's fantastic. So it's been a, you know, it's been a wonderful, yeah. yeah. Do you remember what your standard audition song was? Ooh. Well, talk about presumption. I remember my up-tempo song for a while when I first got off the bus. <laughs> oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> yes. I can't even say it. Yes. Will everyone here kindly step to the rear from How Now, Dow <laughs> Jones? Oh, yes, of course. Good song, oh, It's a great song. <laughs> it's a great song. I remember singing it for Gower Champion, for, for Mac and Mabel. Yes. I don't know. It just all felt great. Yeah, <laughs> I and, learned and, and, by experience. Yes, clearly. <laughs> but I, 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 when I reflect back, I enjoyed my instincts. They were really kind of corny and wonderful. Yeah. Besides Dames at Sea, do you remember any other memorable shows, memorable performances that you saw on those trips up to New York? That I saw. Yeah. Oh, so much. Uh, my first day in seeing professional theater, I went and saw. A matinee of how to succeed in business oh. without really trying. And in that evening, I saw a revival of The Glass Menagerie with Maureen Stapleton and Piper Laurie. Oh, oh my God. Wow. And I sat there, especially in the afternoon, and I went, I couldn't, I, I mean, I wanted to jump out of my seat, and I thought, I have to come back here and do this. This is what I, I was in college. Yeah. Oh. And that's what made it clear to me. I didn't know enough, and I wanted to go to graduate school, but I thought, I'm going to come back here, and this is what I want to do. It's just been all made clear for me that day. And and so uh, that's why when I finished graduate school, I, I really didn't want to go spend a lot of time in regional theater. I, mm-hmm. I always knew I wanted to come to New York nice. and work here. You know. And you knew that uh, clearly you liked musicals as much as Place. I mean, oh, they, yeah, they I were the saw same. Everything. I would yeah. come yeah. in and see, you know, skyscraper in the yeah. afternoon yeah. <laughs> and a view from the bridge off Broadway. Amazing. Yeah. You know, I saw everything. Uh, and once I saw Maureen Stapleton, I'd come and see anything that Maureen Stapleton was in. For those of us who never got to see her live on stage, I mean, we know her from 
films. Mm-hmm. What was it like to see her live and in the flesh? You couldn't, for me, first of all, she was incredibly charismatic. She was hilarious and sympathetic and strong, and you couldn't catch her acting. You know, it was, I remember her answering the door in, I think it was, was it Last of the Red Hat Lovers? or Plaza, Plaza Suite, I think. And she, I mean, she was answering the door of the hotel room. She had a piece of roast beef in her hand at the same time. And I thought, this is this is not direction or anything. It's just mm-hmm. like, she was just sublimely yeah. hilarious and incredibly heartbreaking. I thought, to me, she was the first. She was one of the early experiences for me in the theater of what you could, what you, the impact you could have on an audience. I just loved her. Yeah. Um, was your graduate school experience, did they appreciate musical theater? Or was musical theater something that did not even enter into? Musical theater was the delight that happened once a year. Well, I remember we had one acting class, and it was interesting. It wasn't a musical theater class, but we had a professor who made us act, um, Gilbert and Sullivan. Not sing the songs, but to take, you know, I am the very model of yeah, yeah, Major yeah. General and try to do it as a monologue because Beautiful. it said it doesn't matter if you're singing, it doesn't matter if you how Great. do you Amen. deal with I am the very model of a modern Major General, I have information animal, vegetable and mineral as an actor. And and although it was there it was not intentional on his part, it was a wonderful transition for me to understand yeah. the importance of interpreting uh, a song or a lyric as dramatic literature mm-hmm. and not just a pile of notes that I rested on top of. That's right. So, um, when you direct musicals now, do you ever do that with in any of the rehearsal methods? I mean, taking... You know, I'll tell you, after, after we had done years and years of Chicago, um, I, put, I was putting together a national company and I got together and it kind of... Everybody was a little freaked at first, but mm-hmm. I said, today we're not going to sing the score. We are going to read the script of, of Chicago as if it was a play. And it was one of the most extraordinary read-throughs I had ever oh. heard because everybody knows the songs so well at right. that point yeah. that to get them to say, uh, come on, babe, why don't we paint the town and all that jazz. And we literally read the script as it was a play. The cast was on fire. They oh. responded so dramatically and positively. And then when we went into the rehearsal, they had a different insight into what their task was supposed to be. Because by the time you get to that third and fourth and fifth company, people know the hand gestures and the choreography. And it's hard to get them to open up their souls and their minds and their spirits to what is actually the action of Mm -hmm. a song or the action of a scene. And and I I sometimes do that now. I think, I don't think there's a, a sep- you know, there yeah. should not be a separation between the two. Agreed. Yeah. And I'm more and more drawn to pieces of material where that is true. Yeah. You know? First Broadway show you were in. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised I stayed and survived. My first Broadway show, <laughs> my first Broadway show was lasted one night, and it was called Frank Merriwell. And what was Frank Merriwell about? Or Frank, Honor Challenge. I'll, or right? Honor yes, Challenge. Yes. Frank Merriwell. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. <laughs> yes. You know, sort of, uh, uh, you know, it was a, it was a, it was a, a, a turn-of-the-century kind of, uh, there was a villain and a hero, mm-hmm. and, uh, and it was a very kind of corny, melodramatic show, musical. And um, there were wonderful people in that, too. Uh, and it lasted one night. Oh um, it it uh, I think the review in the New York Times was a paragraph. Oh, no. oh. and <laughs> I've, interestingly, it's Ouch. the only theater poster I've kept. Oh, really? <laughs> Your Broadway debut. My Broadway <laughs> debut. Of course, you it had keep my, that. it had one of the it has, it has one of the best theater posters of that era. It was by uh, what was his name? Tom Bird, who did all those oh yeah, posters, Follies, yeah. Godspell. Yeah. Well, he did our poster, and wow. it's actually a magnificent. It lasted one night, and my first off Broadway lead was in a show called Drat, which also lasted one night. What was Drat? Drat was me and Bonnie Franklin <laughs> and Jane Cannell, uh-huh. and it was uh, The Drunkard. Basically, it was a musical oh, okay. version of The Drunkard. And I had the most uh, remarkable, and uh, I mean, I've been very fortunate, I have to say. I, The producers came to me three days before we opened, and they said, the show is going to close on Sunday. 
and it's not your fault. And they offered me the standby for the grass harp. And I thought, gee, this is either expedient or thoughtful. But I went to rehearsal. I opened the play, which was a dreadful little musical. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we closed on Sunday. And on Monday, I went to rehearsal at the grass harp and sat there as, as a musical comedy, you know, maniac. Yeah. Suddenly, I, there I was sitting with Barbara Cook, Karen Mara, you know, Ellis Rabb was directing. Oh wow! Um, Jonathan Tunick was doing his first set of Broadway arrangements. Mm-hmm. So even all along the way, whenever experience, I was always in the most remarkable experiences, even in failure. And the wonderful thing about Frank Merriwell is that Neil Kenyon, who was the director of Dames at Sea, mm-hmm. actually saw me do Dames at Sea before it closed. And gave me my first Broadway show. And they were closed in a night. Um, there was something about even when I was in all of these failures, I was there was some sort of affirmation that I shouldn't stop this. So it didn't feel like, oh, one oh, or my the other. God. No, like, oh, I know. Well, I felt yeah. like Karen Morrow. Who opened and closed many shows. to talk to at some point. Yes. Yes. Oh, she's a I've gem. always loved her. Yeah, always she's loved great. Her. And it was, they did it all so that I could sit there in the theater every night and watch Karen Marber and Barbara Cook. That's why the show was ultimately done. Oh, wow. uh, it was just to give me a master class. school <laughs> <laughs> theater yeah. performance. Yeah. <laughs> and again, to watch the great Ellis Rabb. I was just going to At the end of you. his career, shapers, creepers, that was good. What was it like to be directed by him? What I didn't get to be directed by him because or at least that to watch opened him. And, and we yeah. closed in right. eight days or something. What made him so good? I think... Well, I have to say, I think because he was an actor as well, mm. and there's so many of us who came to directing, mm. uh, you know, who acted, and I think understand the actor's process and understands mm. uh, what the actor needs. And uh, many of the direct great directors I've worked with, from Jerry Zachs to Dan Sullivan to you know uh, Jared Gutierrez, they they acted yeah. at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and for a while, you know, so they really underst- understood the process. Um, and was Tom Moore the same way on Greece? Was Tom? Tom, a I don't think ever. I think Tom was never an actor. I think Tom was always a director. Uh, you know, the thing about Greece is they, the wonderful. Th- I think the wonderful lessons I've learned from uh, Pat Birch and Tom Moore on Greece, the lessons I learned as a director, mm-hmm. was that they celebrated the people they cast. Mm-hmm. There were all these great numbers, but everybody was expected to, 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 to bring their personality to these roles, which were initially, you could have given anybody's lines to anybody else. They weren't mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, I think I'll study this, you know. Yeah. It wasn't that kind of investigation, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, so that you could say, "Did you meet her at the beach?" and you could give that line to anybody. So it's like you you, you investigated the text True. carefully right. to find your character. Uh-huh. You had to bring some personality, to right? It. And and of course, they ha- they cast sixteen very individuated people, yeah. and uh, and they just let us um, be. Yeah, you know, they they let us uh, exploit. Must have had a lot of trust in you, you know, to, as actors. I, well, they, I, they either had no tr- trust or they had no choice. <laughs> <laughs> but if you look at who they cast originally, they cast a lot of real, oh yeah, in, you know, and 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 also you're in a musical where there was no chorus. You weren't going to be wearing the same costume at this, as anybody yeah. else. You weren't going to be doing the same step at the same yeah. time as anybody else. So. You, as long as you felt comfortable moving, you didn't even. There were no dancers in that show. Right. In fact, dancers in that show looked odd because <laughs> in the original production, yeah. you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Over, over the years, it's morphed into something quite different. Mm-hmm. And and Happy Days has informed it, and the movie informed it. But originally, we were a rambunctious two gangs who could move well, yeah. and it was exuberant, but it wasn't a tidy piece mm-hmm. yeah. of Broadway choreography. And who were you in Greece? I was Roger, the original mooning champ of nice. Rydell High. Amen. Congratulations. That's yeah. A, yeah. That's very cool. <laughs> How, uh, so Greece... I think they uh, called him Potsy or something in the film. They cut his song. Oh, weird. 
How dare they? How dare they? Oh, come on. One of the greatest songs ever written. Ooh, come on. I yes. spent my yes. day. <laughs> Nobody could do it as well as you. That's why it's not in the movie. That's right. That's it. That we have. That's the reason. They, they didn't uh, want to embarrass themselves. <laughs> Tricks. Oh, my Lord. You know, I was in... I, 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 Got this show called Tricks. I was in Greece, mm-hmm. and I and I thought, oh, well, I, you know, and because I kept getting jobs, I thought, well, this will just happen all the time. I think I'll just do <laughs> tricks. Why not? And it had been done in Louisville and Washington at Arena to great acclaim, but when it was brought to New York, it was brought. Uh, they changed a lot of the cast, mm-hmm. and we had a first rate. Uh, what's his name? Herman Levin was our producer who produced My Fair Lady oh, and mm-hmm. stuff oh, like yeah. that. Extraordinary cast: Renee Bergeois, yep. Joe Morton, on and on. And I thought, oh, I want to do this, and it was kind of a mess. I, th- I it was unfortunate. Well, it, it, it was, it was, it was, um, it was based. It was an adaptation of Scapin, uh. Molière Scapin, mm. and it was called Tricks because it was very done, very op, you know. Every what is the word? Commedia dell'arte. There was lots yeah, of business and shtick yeah. and stuff, and there was a prop for every line. And I remember saying when we were in rehearsal, and because John had done the show twice before, mm-hmm. it was like he was putting a production and other people's business on top of this Broadway cast. Oh. And we were sort of like rebelled, saying, "Well, well what's what's the, what's the heart of the show?" Yeah. Yeah. You know. Uh, I've done Gilbert and Sullivan as a monologue. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, so what am I doing here exactly except this, this business? Yeah. Anyway, it was a troubled piece, and um, and we came to New York. But interestingly, <laughs> interestingly, the producers of Greece called me while I was in Detroit because they weren't particularly happy with my replacement. And you could just leave? You just, no, like, no, you no, could, no. You just no, no, no. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, we could, you know, um, I I don't know what my contract right. was, but I, mm. I had done the to... show like nine months or oh, something. Gotcha. And I, I don't know. I probably, you know, when they when they first had us, they had us, I think, probably on minimum contracts. None of us had any negotiating right. power. We had done this thing off Broadway. They moved us to Broadway. Right. And on that kind of contract, I bet I could probably have gotten out Better in a now. month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. And, you know, at that time, you're doing that. You get your next Broadway show, and you get an increase in salary. And anyway, so I'm in Detroit, miserable. Mm -hmm. And uh, producers of Grease call me, and they say, we hear your show stinks. (laughs) (laughs) Perhaps something more elegant, they said, than that. But they said, do you want to come back? Because we don't, we don't, we hear it's not going to run. And and we're we're displeased with the... uh, with your replacement. Mm-hmm. I can't forget his name. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah. So I opened uh, Tricks at the, now the Neil Simon, then the Alvin Theater. Yeah. We ran for eight performances. I closed. Yeah. And I went back into Greece. <laughs> I was like, I had a guardian angel. I got yeah, off. Yeah, I, got yeah. off a, I know, I know. I, you know, when people say, well, do you have any tips? I said, I, my, mine is not the how-to playbook. I have been... It's been it's been kind of remarkable, yeah. And the same thing happened when I finally went to direct. I just yeah. suddenly was directing. Yeah, you know, it's a. I've been very blessed. Smothers Brothers. Oh my God. Yes. Now I needed a job, and they called me, <laughs> and they said, "Would you understudy both Smothers Brothers?" And I love my wife. And I thought, yeah. Why not? <laughs> what could happen? What are they going to do? Somebody Send me to comedy prison? <laughs> so I, 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 and also uh, one of my friends was in it, um, Janie Sell, and I had seen an original yeah. originally with you know yeah. Eileen Graff and and James Naughton and, James Naughton and um, oh what's her name? a beautiful or Joanna Gleason Joanna Gleason uh, and Baker Lenny Baker and. Uh, I really thought that Gene Sachs was a remarkable man. I liked him a lot. So I said yes, and I actually went on a lot for Tommy. Dick was fine, but I went on for Tommy a lot. And back in the day, they used to have to do two of three things. They used to have to do an insert in the program, Mm -hmm. change the board out front, Mm -hmm. And make an announcement, still and, do. This, yeah. and they still do. But mm-hmm. I, you know, back then with the boards out front right. weren't weren't a regular thing, and they certainly weren't digitized. Yeah. And uh, 
and I don't think anybody expected Tommy to call in sick. And when they went into the show, Gene had constructed, because it has no overture. It starts with the band yeah, playing. And so they started the show with uh, Dick coming out stage right and taking a bow and a spotlight and me coming out stage left or Tommy coming out stage mm. left and taking a bow. So I guess the first show I did was a matinee and you hear at this afternoon's performance the role ordinarily made by Tom Smothers <laughs> be played by Walter Bobby. Oh, Jesus. Oh, 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 my God. Whoa. And I thought, holy mackerel, this is going to be something. So the curtain doesn't go up, and Dick walks out in the spotlight and takes a bow. <laughs> and I walk in the spotlight, and I look at the audience like, not my fault. <laughs> and I bow, and they laughed, and I had the best time. Oh, that's great. And I was on at that point. The first time I was on, I think I was on for a week. And the thing is that Dick, who is has been spent a career being on stage with a total loose canyon. Mm -hmm. Whatever I did, he was right there with me. He was remarkable. That's cool. He never looked disappointed. He never seemed to judge me. Oh wow. And he act we actually had a very, very good time together. And uh, it was it was a remarkable experience. How long were you with the show? Do you remember? Well I think we we uh, I think they were in the show for about six months and I think mm -hmm. we clo they closed the show. They closed the, the show. Well they didn't close the show, but the closed show the yes. show closed <laughs> while they were in Got it. it. Got and it. so did I. <laughs> <laughs> now I have to ask, you did a production of She Loves Me? Yes. Back you know, Playwrights Horizons used to have the theater Queen's Theater in the Park at the mm -hmm. old World's Fairgrounds. Mm -hmm. oh. oh wow. And they used to do right. three shows there a season. And I actually did an under Andre Bishop when he was had taken over. And the, and the first show I did at the park was Company. We did the 10th anniversary of Company mm -hmm. with the wonderful and prematurely deceased Andre Arnott directing. He mm -hmm. was a fantastic mm -hmm. director who was lost to us quite early. But the cast was Peter Evans, Christine Baranski, me, oh, wow. Pat Richardson, Mary Testa. My I goodness. mean, it was what a cast. It was amazing. It was the tenth anniversary of Company. Yeah, and uh, uh, Jane Galloway, who was sensational, one of the original vanities. She's no longer yeah. in the business. It was remarkable. And uh, then that fall, they Jerry Gutierrez was directing She Loves Me, huh. and they asked me to do She Loves Me, which is where I met Andrea Martin. It was. It is Andrew. Martin. Andrew Martin was in that. She was hilarious, and the late uh, David. Um, oh, my mind. Carol. David Carroll. No. Yes, yes. I did another play with David Carroll. Uh, mm -hmm. Actually, at the Public um, Cafe Crown. But anyway, again, wonderful people, wonderful cast, great director. And uh, a kind of a remarkable experience. I'll never, I'll, I'll, I won't soon forget it. Uh, we had a great time. Who, just going back a second, who were you in the company production? Remember who you played? Sorry, grateful. Oh, uh, Harry. Was, yeah, Harry. Was, Harry. Yeah. yeah. I Very was cool. sorry, and I was grateful. You were sorry, and, <laughs> and you were grateful. Um, so, and I did both of those things in a distinctly different way. Oh, my sorrow and my gratitude were expressed with remarkable range. It's that yeah. modern major yeah. general training. Layered, yeah. really <laughs> nuanced. He is brilliant. Brilliant actor. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then in the 80s, mostly regional theater? Were you on the road a lot or were you in the city a lot? No, I don't remember doing regional theater. I did a little, I did a few things. I remember going to the. Um, oh, what was it? In, in, uh, I remember going to the. Oh. What's that theater? Maine. Portland's, Portland Stage Oh, Portland Company. Stage. Oh. Yeah. Portland Stage Company and doing a play called Goodbye Freddy huh. by Liz Diggs. Again, with wonderful people. And Lend Me a Tenor? Did you do Lend Me a Tenor? Oh, I did the original version of Lend Me a Tenor. Oh, it wow. was called Opera Buffa. We did it at the American <laughs> Stage Festival. Oh, my goodness. And That's I cool. was... Uh, uh, who the the role that rather 
later bitterly was handed over to uh, <laughs> my dear friend Victor Garber. <laughs> dare he? How dare he? How dare he? But dare up there he? it was called Opera Bouffe, and we thought, this is great. We're going to Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> instead, uh, they took it to London. Oh. Oh. And, uh, and they did it in London, and they changed the title to Lend Me a Tenor. Mm-hmm. And then it came to America in a dramatic and radically different production, which, which my dear friend Jerry Zachs didn't cast me in, <laughs> but although we've worked together in multitudes of what times. What a pal. Jerry's, what a pal. Jer- no, Jerry's a yeah. great pal. Yeah. But, uh, and then they did that in Broadway. But it had a, it had a long journey. And yeah. when we did it, it was opera buffa. Uh, up from Paradise? Up from Paradise was one of the most remarkable theater experiences I've had. Stuart Ostro was then running the musical theater lab at the top of the Kennedy Center. And that's where we first stood. Now, is everybody seated? Because this was a musical by Arthur Miller. Arthur Miller took his failed play, The Creation of the World and Other Business, Mm -hmm. and turned it into a musical called Up from Paradise. And it was his version of the Genesis story. And Dan Sullivan was directing. Mm -hmm. Adam and Eve were played by Alice Platon and Austin Pendleton. (laughs) Lonnie Price was Cain. I forget who was Abel. I was Lucifer. Len Carrier was God. It was extraordinary. And it was written for a woodwind quintet. Oh, my God. And then we came to New York, and we did it at the Jewish Theater Mm -hmm. Company, which I I don't know that it exists. Jewish Rep. Yes, that's right. And... You couldn't get a ticket. The critics just wouldn't give Arthur Miller a break, but it was extraordinary. Stanley Silverman. Stanley Silverman, who's written opera, written a lot of film stuff, and was always the creative musical musical guy for um, the ontological hysterical, for Richard Foreman's ontological hysterical theater company. But again, there I am, and off from paradise, yeah. and nobody ever heard it, but I'm in the room with this amazing oh gathering, Arthur Miller. That's I'm doing amazing. a show with yeah. Arthur Miller. A musical remember, oh, a Arthur musical. Miller. <laughs> and there, you know, I'm sitting there with Arthur Miller, who was a great man. I mean, mm-hmm. he was just a sensational human. His humanity just poured out of him. Mm-hmm. He was a large, uh, imposing man. He used to call me Waller. <laughs> Waller. And I remember at one point, and here I am, I'm going, who the hell do you think you are? And uh, I've you know, written my term paper on Arthur Miller as a kid, yeah. and now he's standing in the room yeah. with me. And I said, Arthur, you know this line I have <laughs> where I say, enough, enough. Do I have to say it twice? It seems like too much. And he said, did I only type it twice? Say it three times. And I went, oh, oh. So I went, enough, enough. Enough! <laughs> anyway, see, that's better. Like, oh my God. But it was a kind of thrilling and presumptuous for me to go up to Arthur Miller with a line note. And then we fixed it. And, and he, instead of saying, you idiot, yeah. you presumptuous little twit, he just dealt with me seriously and improved it. That's it's great. That's pretty special. Yeah, actually. it was pretty special. That's I w- I've, I've always actually, that is a show that I actually would like to do again mm-hmm. in a small theater. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Because I think it's kind of a, a gem. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, I think, is a buried little gem. It's, it's very sweet. It's very pure. And it's a story that we all know. But musically, it's quite surprising. Oh. Was a recording ever made of no. that? No. Oh, that's no. a shame. Mm-hmm. Well, bring it back. Where, bring you guys, where have you been digging in it? Where have you been? Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? 
I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. We, you know, we, we did. I've forgotten we I did, did have this. students <laughs> of the musical theater. I we did. Uh, guys and Dolls. Uh, yes. How did that come about? Well, you know, I've known Jerry for a long time. And Jerry and I actually did Grease together because he replaced, uh, he did the National Company, but then he replaced off-Broadway mm-hmm. uh, Tim Myers. So I've known Jerry forever. And um, and then, you know, I was, we were hanging out with Chris Ryan when he did Sister Mary and his career just changed. Oh, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. It was remarkable, but he was a wonderful New York actor. And uh, and I remember I was I was really I really kind of needed a job. And he called and offered me uh, anything goes at Lincoln Center. Oh. And I was going through a personal loss in my life. My partner was mm-hmm. dying and all that stuff. And I thought, oh wow, it's so thoughtful. And I did. Um, What's his name in Anything Goes? The British guy. Um, oh, Sir Sir Evelyn. Sir, Sir Evelyn. Yes. Yeah. In the in the uh, Lincoln Center. At Lincoln right. Center. Yeah. And then um, Jerry asked me to do to come into Assassins because um, Terry Mann yeah. had an opening in his contract where he had to be away for two weeks or three weeks yeah. or something to do something at Playwrights Horizons. So Jerry said, would you come in and replace Victor for that just that period? And I said, well, if you'll put me into it. Mm-hmm. And so suddenly there I was in in Assassins for three weeks with Deb Monk and Victor Garber oh. and, and, oh. and you know, the whole, I yeah. know, every place, I, you know, I keep landing in it. You yeah. know what I mean? And and they all dealt with me like, come on aboard. Yeah. Oh, that's you know, Because so that original cast at Playwrights Horizons was remarkable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Special. And then... When I got the call for Anything Goes, I mean for Anything Goes, for uh, uh, for Guys, Guys and, Dolls. and Dolls, I said, does Jerry know about this? <laughs> because traditionally the show's always been played by a hefty kind yeah. of guy. Right, totally. And um, and Jerry said, and they said, yeah, Jerry wants to see you. And I said, okay. So I came in, you know, I got ready, I trained, sang my brains out, and he cast me. Then it really wasn't such a slam dunk. It was really, uh, you know, Guys and Dolls was remarkably difficult because a lot of, Jerry did a lot of things which were fresh and original, like, you know, casting me. Yeah. Like, he cast me and, and uh, um, uh, J.K. Simmons, you know, these two guys, yeah. and took the heavy set guy and made him... Stubby K. Stubby yeah. K. Yeah. Yeah. And made him, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, like the Harry yeah. the horse, Harry the horse, yeah, yeah, great way of doing it. Uh, and a lot of the stuff when you go back to the original script, you mm-hmm. know, he's always coming in, eating a sandwich, carrying a hoagie, yeah. all this <laughs> stuff. And I, I, there I was, you know, actually skinny at that time, and walking in with this, you know, food and eating and going to the grocery, and none of it made any sense. Yeah. And um, because there's not really much, you know, talk about. A personality role. There's not really much on the page to investigate. Totally. Mm-hmm. He walks in and he's the fat guy who sings later right. on. Yeah. Funny. Got three of the best songs in the show. Sure. Yeah. But it is not defined by motivation or any of that stuff. It's just a great part. Right. And finally, um, we were leaving the rehearsal hall, and I remember Jerry saying, "Would you wear a fat suit?" And I said, "No, I won't." I said, "Jerry, if this doesn't work, it doesn't work." But I, I can't do that. And I, we, I was lost. I think we both were because I was a friend and whatever. Yeah. And then we came to Broadway, and they changed my costume every day for a week. And then, it, and he just, and Jerry stopped in some ways, directing me or mm-hmm. trying to figure it out. And he just—it was the greatest trust act ever. Mm-hmm. He just left me alone with the audience for about. You know, because Jerry gives notes, 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 notes. And I think we had a really tough conversation. And then there was like three days where he just let me figure it out. Mm. And 
I mean, I will be forever grateful to him. And we ended up having a remarkable experience. And I ended up, but I had to find a different way in because it wasn't going to be, I, I wasn't going to be able to define the role by being the sight gag, you right. know, yeah. Will. Yeah, totally. By yuck, being yuck, the vision, yuck, yuck. yes. Yeah. And just by being the guy who looks like that. And I ended up having a great time. But what should have, you know, people say, oh, uh, that'll be just a rolling off a log. Yeah. And the Guys and Dolls is tricky because it's such good material unless yeah. you do it well yeah. as oh, the yeah. last revival proved you know you can, yeah, you can do a bad production of My Fair Lady you know yeah. the truth. It, yeah. uh, so it was great it what was, did yeah. you discover in those three days I mean how did you did you just play around did you just kind of like try this try that no are they reacting it was in front of an audience I, I just guess, I like. just tapped into what I thought this guy's spirit was mm-hmm. totally and his zest and his innocence mm-hmm. I thought he's the one guy who just he just yeah. likes hanging out with these guys. I, he probably doesn't even gamble. <laughs> he just likes he just likes being there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they, let him, they let him in the club. You know? You know? Totally. Did you eventually lose all of the you know the apples and the food and all that stuff? Did that go away? Oh, all of that went away. That I mean, all goes away. I had a bunch of costume changes, and William Ivy Long put me in one suit, and he changed my hat and shoes. I mean, the first time I went on there, he had me in like white, white shoes and, and a, a straw boater, and I thought. Oh. I felt like Harold Hill. I thought, yeah. <laughs> we got trouble right here. We got trouble right here in Runyonland. And then he changed my, my hat and my shirt and my shoes every day. And we put together this costume. And I was listening to the audience. And I found the joy in this part. Mm. And um, and I don't know. I mean, Jerry and I got through what I think was a tricky moment for both of us. Yeah. Um, um, but mutually trusting each mm-hmm. other we, we, got I, you through I, it. Yeah. And that's I mean, beautiful. I, you know, I, I, I trust him completely. Um, this then leads to, I believe, one of your first directing experiences in New York while you're doing Guys and Dolls. Is that right? You did A Grand yes. Night for Singing? Yes. How did that come to be? Did you always want to be a director? Yes. You always, yeah. Yeah. But I couldn't, I really couldn't get as they say, arrested. I yeah. really, uh, it's hard to change how it's people... It's yeah. in our business yeah. easily. Yeah. And especially you know. if you, uh, you know, I've had to change how people perceive me for a long time. Because yeah. when you do that many musicals, then people don't call you on for plays. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I went to California for, you know, a while. I did a lot of television. Yep. Uh, a lot of television drama. And then Hill suddenly, Street Blues. Hill Street Blues. Thinner. And L.A. Law <laughs> and uh, uh, whatever those shows were. Yeah. Um, and uh, the equalizer. I mean, anyway. <laughs> uh, anyway, I, and suddenly I came back to New York, and I was doing, you know, Shaw at Circle in the Square. Yep. And I also stopped doing commercials. Oh. Because uh, I, you know, there's no way to. Because I was very lucky with commercials. I did a mm-hmm. lot of commercials, and and commercials back in the day were how you could afford to mm-hmm. work at Playwrights mm-hmm. Horizons, for yeah. example, totally. between jobs. But when people. Uh, See you on camera going, gee, honey, how'd you get it so clean? Yeah, you know, right. and they don't think, oh, yes, yes, we should have him in for that show. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're doing Coriolanus. Yeah, Let's <laughs> got the guy who yeah. did that Cheetos commercial. <laughs> so, uh, I, I, the time that I spent in California was really valuable, not just for the way other people perceived me, but for the way I perceived myself. Yeah, sure. And then I came back and I did Driving Miss Daisy. And, mm-hmm. and suddenly I was not just doing musicals, but I had to, and I just wouldn't even audition for a musical for five years. Wow. And so it was a deliberate effort. To, absolutely. Because I, you know, I, you know, only you can tell the world what it is you have or interests you or whatever. And, totally. And remarkably, it worked and I got to do a bunch of plays and then I felt safer going back and doing musicals and I felt that way as a director too mm-hmm. I really you know uh, it's like after uh, you know after high fidelity yeah I just went you know what I gotta get in the sandbox again I only want to do new plays I'm going downtown wow. and I went down yeah, with my you know dear trusted friend David Ives and mm-hmm. we did three great plays at CSC I worked at MCC mm-hmm. and EST and mm-hmm. every every alphabet you can think yeah. of I was, M- I was amazed M- at how many yeah. off-Broadway theaters yeah. you, you worked at yeah. I mean you hit them all Manhattan Theater Club and yeah. Playwrights Horizons and Roundabout, and yeah. Roundabout CSC yeah. I did and, and I just do would do new plays and um, 
and 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 then I thought, you know, I want to do another musical, and so I'm doing yeah. one. I, I think only you can help guide your. You, you follow take charge your, of it. Yeah, 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 yeah take charge. Of, but anyway, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so Grand Night, for, you obviously have oh, so Grand Night. You know, here's the thing. Hammerstein and all of that. There so. I am. I'm in a hit Broadway musical yep. in a killer part. Yep. And I know that I really want to direct because mm-hmm. the Rogers and Hammerstein estate offered me this 50-minute review at the Rainbow and Stars. It's not like I was an out-of-work actor. I didn't know what to do. I was trying to kill some time. Yeah. Yeah, no. And I actually went to Jerry Sachs, and I said, Jerry, will you give me a three-week leave of absence wow. to do this? And Jerry, who understood because he transitioned yeah. himself, yeah. he's been remarkable. At so many points in my professional career, Jerry has been for me there as such mm-hmm. a loyal friend and colleague. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just it break, I get choked up every yeah, time sure. I talk about and Jerry let me out. He gave me a wow. three-week leave of absence, and I went and took all this material and found a way to rethink it and refresh it and do it not in the ways it was con- originally contextualized. Yeah. Right. So I, I wanted to hear the wanted to make sure the audience would hear the lyrics again. Yes, of course. For some reason, every major New York theater critic came to that review of the Rainbow and Stars, <laughs> and. So all the first string critics were there, and they said, and they went, oh, he can direct. So I went from... That's amazing. Yeah. I can, whatever, yeah. to, like, yeah. suddenly I was doing, um, you know, a Chris Durang play at EST. Suddenly I was doing the first encores. Yep. I was doing a play at Manhattan Theater mm-hmm. Club. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and then they offered me the artistic directorship. And then what happened is... Uh, and, I, and then Todd... Asked me to do an expanded version at uh, at the roundabout, which we did. Um, anyway, by the time I was offered the first show at Encores, which was Fiorello, mm-hmm. all those people have been saying to me for years, "Oh, you know, you should direct. Mm-hmm. You should direct. Mm-hmm. Why don't you direct?" I called them all <laughs> because I had been working in the middle of town for twenty five years, yeah. and suddenly, I actually could go from never having directed in New York City to opening up my phone book and I called Jerry Sachs and I said to I said to Jay Bender our casting director mm-hmm. I said if Jerry says yes everybody will come and Jerry thought about it and he said yes to playing Fiorello wow. and then I called Faith Prince and Adam Ark and Donna McKechnie oh and ben, Phil Bosco and they all came and 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 I thought to myself, if I could get them to come on and off stage, it's going to be fine. Oh, yeah. And I remember the first day of rehearsal, Jerry's watching me and watching me and watching me. And at the end of the day, he came up to me and he said, it's going to be okay. Oh, oh my gosh. Wow. And it was like, you know. I get choked up that's hearing a lot. that. I <laughs> like, do. That's a lot. That's yeah. amazing. What a friend. Yeah. What so a great group really of friends special. who all came out yeah. for this. Yeah. Were you offered Fiorello or were you told, we'd like to do a show in concert? Do you have any ideas? No, I was offered Fiorello. The original artistic director of uh, Encores mm-hmm. is, uh, oh my God, I can't believe we have to tape this. We have no, to well, cut this. Be, yeah, yeah okay. uh, original. Uh, oh, Weitzman. Weitzman. The original artistic director of, of, uh, of Encores was Ira Weitzman. Mm-hmm. And he put together that first season. Mm-hmm. And I'd known Ira from Playwrights Horizons forever. And Ira actually um, offered me. Also, you have to remember that Ted Chapin was on the mm-hmm. board, and he had been around the whole uh, Grand Night for oh, Singing yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he gave you the permission. And so suddenly um, they offered me. And they didn't know what it was going to be. But suddenly there I was at Encores, and, you know, I... John Lee Beatty and Richard Pilbro yeah. and I called Amazing. William Ivy Long to do yeah. the clothes and it was just I was doing a, a, a first rate uh, I went from 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 nothing to having a huge theater it's a testament of, of relationships too yeah, how really important is. those are you know over yeah, time yeah and how people over time yeah. trust them and you know yeah. and I've and and the thing I've always remembered is to is people around me to try to pass that on and help yeah. Yeah. new and emerging people mm-hmm. That's amazing. find work. And you're the template. I mean, Fiorello is pretty much the template of how they're going to proceed to do encore shows then for the next 20 years or so, right? Well, I think when they asked me to do 
because the second when they asked me then they asked me to do the next one I said no I spent a long time figuring out Fiorello mm-hmm. and I don't want to just rush and do any more this season and then they offered me the artistic directorship and I said I will take the artistic directorship I would be honored to mm-hmm. do it but we have to have uh, something in the budget for playwrights we can't go in there and have the actors cutting. We can't have people. We can't have the directors making this cut. Good for you. Because the original one, I had called my friend again, John Weidman, because I've known him from Assassins right, and anything goes. Yeah. And I said, John, your dad wrote this. I need to cut it down. Would you please help me? So John edited his own father's book, and I realized when I went into that next season that I wanted real writers respectfully dealing with the masters of the American musical theater. So in those first few years, we had everybody from Chris Durang to Terrence McNally to John Guare. I mean, we just David Ives, and then David Ives Mm -hmm. came along, and then that was just bliss. But we we always had playwrights coming in to edit the work, and then David became, Ives became such a master at it, he did yeah. a lot of yep. a lot of it after a while. Mm-hmm. But I- you go over the roster of playwrights who came there to edit encores in those years, and you see that there was, and then I have, I have to take credit for anything that I initiated, I just said it's, it's critical, because the first year, I think I was the only one who brought in a playwright mm-hmm. to edit. Oh, interesting. And, because th- we didn't cre- know what we are doing, you yeah. know what I mean, and we're I think, we're, oh, of course, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, and that was just a, just, just amazing. Was Chicago your second season there, or your third third, third season mm-hmm. there? And uh, yeah, by the time I got there, I thought I've got because here the first season I put together was season two, and it was uh, Call Me Madam. Mm-hmm. Oh, fine. and I was going to direct it, mm-hmm. and I got closer and closer to it, and I thought. No, hmm. I can't direct this. And I fired myself <laughs> because I realized that all the artistic directors that I really respected around town, people like Andre Bishop and on and on, and Todd, yeah. Todd and Joe Pat, they don't direct. Mm-hmm. Mm. They, and I thought, I need to focus on identifying what we're doing here and identifying our mission. And it's not about me having a vanity house. It also became important for me, once I started to direct, to go and to appreciate my colleagues and not compete with them. Totally. You know, and I, you know, I remember the first time I saw, I met Mark Brokaw at the Young Playwrights Festival, mm-hmm. and I was I wasn't in his show, but I sat there and I went, God, this is so well done. Mm-hmm. And one of the first people I hired. Uh, to wow. do uh, Out of This World was Mark Brokaw, who really hadn't done musicals, but I thought he has such great visual imagination. He's going to do a great job. Yeah. And my friend Andrea was in it, Andrea yeah. Martin. So um, I I fired myself. And by the time we got to the third season, I thought, I have to give myself a show. Um, and so I, I gave myself Chicago. <laughs> uh, once again. Once again. <laughs> yeah. Something seems to be working. Um, oh, my gosh. What was it like working with Candor and Ab? In, you know, or were they, were they involved? I should ask you that. I were they say, involved? I have to say, you know, we, they, nobody knew what encores really right. quite was. We yeah. were quite, I mean, the first encore, the first Fiorello, we were, there was a snowstorm. And for some reason, everybody showed up. They climbed over the snow and they showed up for that first Fiorella. Yeah. And we went, holy mackerel. Yeah. Because it looked like a party. Mm. The cast yeah. alone, you couldn't get that cast on Broadway. Of course. No. It's special. You know? It's an event. It is no. an event. Yeah. You know, uh, Marilyn Cooper doing seven lines, you know, every one <laughs> yes. of them. <laughs> <It's so good. laughs> you know, I, it was like, it was, it was what we call overcast mm-hmm. because you couldn't really get that company. So yeah. it was fantastic. Um, but what was your question? Uh, Were you working with Candor and Ebb on Chicago? Oh, and what happened when we got to Chicago is that we met with Candor and Ebb, and um, and they just said, "Well, let us know who's in the cast. We'd like to know." They wanted, okay. And because we were going to edit it, uh, Fred really wanted me to hire Tommy Thompson. The, Tommy and Fred were just great. Yeah, we loved him. Mm-hmm. And. You know, and Tom was like his, his nephew. Do you know what I mean? They had such a wonderful, it was almost like family. And so I did. And he felt confident knowing that Tommy was overseeing 
the edit of the script. But other than that, they came to opening night and went, what the hell just <laughs> happened? They couldn't believe it because I think, you know, I could never have gone into a Broadway producer's office, even the Weisler's office, mm-hmm. and argued or pitched that production. Yeah. Sure. It had to just happen. And then, mm-hmm. and then... Because the original people, some people might not remember, but the original wasn't exactly a, a blowout hit when it was well, originally produced. It was also it was, very, yeah, it was, it was a very, a different very time, different production. It was, yeah. it was a very, very different production. It was a, it was a, it was a subtitled musical vaudeville, and every scene was done like an homage mm-hmm. to a different vaudeville performer. Mm-hmm. It was a very complex, visionary, um, but uh, it was a different production. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that we found, when Anne and I got together, I said, I don't want to mount that. Uh, I what I want to do is I want to honor Fosse and his entire career, mm-hmm. but not revive his. Mm. So we incorporated image. I mean, like originally, you know, cell block was done with women running around with holding bars with lights in them and all that stuff. Oh, wow. And I said I lo- I want to do that number like all of his great chair numbers. So <laughs> let's just have six chairs and interrogation lights above them. It's going to look like. It's a Fosse number, but that's not the way they did it yeah. originally. Yeah, yeah, totally. yeah. I remember saying, seeing um, Pippin, and I'd never seen ladders on the proscenium. So I said, I said, John Lee, can I have a ladder? He said, how about two? <laughs> <laughs> and suddenly, instead of being drunk on a piano doing Funny Honey, mm-hmm. I yeah. had... So there were things from all of Fosse's visual imagination, including how we did the courtroom, that weren't his production, mm-hmm. but it was... Clearly, an homage to his mm. his taste, yeah. you know. And I said to William, "I belong. I only want I want Fosse's two favorite colors in the show: black and flesh." <laughs> 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 and uh, so everything was geared toward honoring his aesthetic, yeah, his sensibility, and even his style, as mm. Anne very beautifully did. But without and now. And I always felt like the three of us directed it. I remember, mm. I remember his uh, the, the late great agent Sam Cohen, who represented Candor and Ebb mm. and Fosse and Annie and BB and mm-hmm. Jimmy. But I remember him saying, you know, if Fosse was alive today, this is probably how he would do it. Wow. Because even by the time he got to the end, by the time he got to what was it, big st- um, big deal, big deal, yeah. he was becoming increasingly a minimalist, yes. increasingly lean in terms of his uh, visual requirements to tell a story. Mm-hmm. And it's been running now for how many years on Broadway? 19. We're going to celebrate 20 years in uh, in September. Longest in in, in November. Musical. That's right. Yeah. And it is the longest running. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. Really um, do you go back to it often? Oh, I had a full company rehearsal two weeks ago. Absolutely. Yes. I go back there and I say, you know what? Yes. My name's still on the poster. That's Let's get right. to work. And we went, we did right, yeah, full company. No, I do I do that several times a year. I go back probably every few weeks. Mm-hmm. I leave notes. I have great, we have a great staff. I just had auditions mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago because I'm going to get busy in case we need somebody yeah, yeah, in the yeah. upcoming months. Yeah. I've just seen a whole bunch of people so that I can say, yes, hire him, hire her. No, we're very hands-on. I, I, I am very proud of how we maintain that production. I'm never, I'm never afraid of people going and seeing a 19-year-old show. It yeah. doesn't look Isn't that like amazing. That. Well, it shows, but I mean, I think it's yeah. I saw it. I mean, it, yeah, yeah. You know? a couple of weeks yeah. ago, and it still looks like it opened mm-hmm, yesterday. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. When did you see it after my rehearsal or before? <laughs> it was even better after my rehearsal because I went in there and That's I what kicked I heard. butt. That's what did I heard. Yes, I did. Do you ever um, not tell them you're going to see the show? You know, how actors Always. sometimes start acting a little more. No, no, no. Always. Yeah. Oh, I never. And the house management mm-hmm. and the sound guy knows not to say anything. And Good. what happens is it's a curtain going down. I sneak in and I sit somewhere. And so I always actually see what's going on. And about a month ago, I went in and I saw what was going on and I was displeased. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and we had a, we, and, and we addressed it and it's great. Mm-hmm. But th- I have to say, that's the first time in years when I, uh, I thought I felt like I caught them, mm-hmm. and it was during the holidays. Oh, and maybe sure, they had too sure. much cheesecake or something. Yeah. But still, my name's on the poster, and people paid money. Yeah. Uh, so no, they never know I'm there. That's so you've stuck with you've stuck with. I know your name's on the poster, but you've stuck with this for 19 years. What is it about this story that still appeals to you? Why do you like going back 
to watch it? Why do you like to go back and give notes beyond? Well, so the thing is, you know, the thing. This is a rare lifetime experience in the theater mm-hmm. to have something run for 19 years. So it's like dislike. It's like, oh my God, it's 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 a gift, and it's like yeah. disrespecting a great gift. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason it keeps running is because it's very, very good material. It's very sturdy material. It is material that lets you completely reinvestigate its nuance, its implications. And the newspaper constantly brings it back to life. I mean, what I like about the show is not just its theatricality, the sublime score, which doesn't have one even mediocre song in it. And it is... For me, thematically rich. It's about the manipulation of the press, mm-hmm. and it's about getting away with murder. You know, I started the rehearsal last week, um, and I said I was talking about because the judgment had just come down on the guy who has the uh, who had too much money. What is that case? What is it? Called? Oh, affluenza. Oh, the yeah, affluenza. I said. Kid. I said. You know, yeah. today Chicago just got reinvigorated. Yeah. We have the affluenza defense. Yeah. And that's what Chicago is about. It's about the men, that the, someone could actually go into a courtroom and say, this child had too much money and therefore he wasn't capable of making good decisions. So he decided to run over four people while he was drunk. Uh, I think the the judgment of the jury should be, you know. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, front, the headlines reinvigorate this theme mm-hmm. On a daily basis or a weekly basis, at least. Yeah. So I find that it's not just a good story. That all of these ideas—it's an idea—it's a story with an ideas, and these ideas are hooked on to a rather compelling uh, storyline yeah. and a, a score that just doesn't stop. And uh, a theatricality. That's why I th- kind of wanted to strip everything away mm-hmm. because I think that you don't need anything to tell for this story to be a rich, rich experience. It's a great show. That's yeah. beautifully constructed. Um, what were some of your other favorite shows that you directed at Encores? I mean, we, you know, you're so synonymous with Chicago, but there's... I, I, I loved Golden Boy. Mm. I think Golden Boy is one of those scores where every song is a gem. There are no hits in that show. Nope. Not but they're one solid. Hit. No. They're solid. But Good. as as it goes along, it is, and I loved, I loved what we what we did with that show, and I actually loved what uh, Wayne Salento did mm. with that show. I thought he and I were great great for that material, mm-hmm. and he nailed it. And I'm I'm very proud of what we did with Zorba. I thought it was quite remarkable. It was wonderful. I was I was I was, uh, I was a little irritated, I have to say, uh, by the press response, uh, because I I think it's. Sort of, I think it is kind of a gem, mm-hmm. and I thought they were hard on on uh, my cast. I felt so lucky when it was a good cast. It was a really I saw good. it, and it was a fabulous cast. Yeah. So I don't know what and, their and problem also, is. And also, I like it, 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 what's his name Bradley accuses of trying to do something that was going to move to Broadway. And I think, whoa, you know, whoa, whoa! That's no, that's not what it's no, about. But the thing is, you know, we we had we had. A wall with the orchestra sitting on it. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody had a pair of miners' clothes. This show before mm. had three hundred costumes. Yeah. And somehow I, I don't know whether he thought I was trying to do Chicago again, but I was very angry, and also because I think John Turturro, Zoe Wanamaker, Zoe Wanamaker was yes. a revelation. Santino Fontana. I mean, mm-hmm. it was a, it was mm-hmm. a sensation. I saw it twice. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I thought it was great. I always love going to encores when they, and in some ways, I feel that way about Zorba. Um, when you see a show that didn't quite work, uh, and you do a good you do a good version, so that people can see what it was. I mean, I'm yeah. I'm always happy when you go to encores and you see, uh, you know, uh, things like Juno, and mm-hmm. it's a fantastic oh. encore. Yeah. That was a fantastic. Yes. That was good. Great score. You know, uh, Lost in the Stars, oh, that, for yes. example. Oh. These are shows that can't be revived no. on Broadway. So that I, I, I value when the press and the audience, the audience more and more mm-hmm. goes and realizes mm-hmm. they're going to get to see something that's never going to be revived. Special. You're going to hear it with a 30-piece orchestra, with the original orchestrations and vocal arrangements. Don't carp about this. Mm-mm. Stay home mm-hmm. if you don't want to see it. But these, I think... Are precious and rare. Yes, it's wonderful to do no, 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 net, and that's fun. But it's more remarkable in some ways to do Juno. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and to do it so well, 
or uh, the one my friend, my dear Mark Bruni did last year, Pipe Dream. Pipe Dream. Oh, he did gorgeous. a remarkable concert oh, of Pipe Dream. gorgeous. And you go, this show can't be revived, will never be revived. No one's spending $10 million mm-hmm. on it. Go. Mm-hmm. And so I think of Encores as something you just sign on to. I, I call it the most expensive lecture series in town. <laughs> okay. It's not about, oh, is it going to move? Should it move? Yeah, is it yeah. good enough? No, no, it's not no. about that. You're going to get to see Pipe Dream. Mm-hmm. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Oh, thanks. You were great. Thank you. I'm Rob Schneider. And I'm Kevin David Thomas. And today on Behind the Curtain, Broadway's Living Legends, we were speaking to the wonderful Walter Bobby. Oh, I started out being the legendary Walter Bobby. Oh. Effervescent. Effervescent. Anyway. Walter Bobby. I interrupted your thing. Do it again. Do it again. I'm getting out of here. No, I love it. I'm getting out of here. this is great. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There is enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.